Here we go. You are listening to Law and Gospel on this Wednesday Bible study. We're going to be looking at Proverbs chapter 14, 11 to 25. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and that is a subject that is going to be of great interest because Proverbs is not really understood as it should be. Before I begin, I do want to say we are doing a second printing of those Bible passages in the Old Testament that are promises fulfilled in the New Testament. We've had a lot of individuals requesting that. We're doing another printing on it. If you're at all interested, it's $15 a copy, two copies for $25, three or more for $10 each. Make sure you tell me the name of the book you want, and this would be Prophecies in the New Testament, Fulfilled, and give us your name and your address and phone number in your email to lawandgospel at lawandgospel101.com. That's lawandgospel at lawandgospel101.com. In Proverbs 14, a lot of people read the book of Proverbs thinking that it's really talking about how citizens should live, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever. But it's really about the difference between a believer and an unbeliever. We're in a section of Proverbs where the apostle, I should say the writer, the writer Solomon, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is indicating the difference between a believer and an unbeliever. So, let me start with the first verse to show you that difference. The house of the wicked will be destroyed, but the tent of the upright will flourish. Now, right away, we have a distinction between those who are unbelievers, namely about their house being destroyed, and those who are upright or justified in God's sight, that they have a tent which will flourish. You see the difference? When Abraham left the land that he was in to go to Canaan, he began to live in tents. He did not believe or did not live in a house. And remember the argument that David had with the prophet. David said, I'm going to build a house for the Lord. And Nathan the prophet was told, no, you go tell David that Solomon, his son, will build a house. And that will not be David's task. So a house of the Lord was really one of the significant edifices of that age. And it was a brilliant building built by Solomon. But until then, God 
was in a tabernacle, a kind of a tent. And so here's the difference. The wicked may have a house, but if he is not a believer, then his house will be destroyed. In contrast to the upright, who may be only living in a tent, but he will flourish. See, God tells us that he has gone to prepare a mansion for us in heaven. But does it matter to us whether that mansion is a house or a tent? It won't matter in heaven because it will flourish. So the house of the unbeliever will be destroyed. That's not referring just to the building. It's referring to a home. Unbelievers do not have a foundation. Remember that parable? Some build on sand, others build on a rock. And only those who build on the rock continue to flourish. So this Proverbs is once more making a distinction between the life of a believer who will flourish and the life of the wicked that will be destroyed. Now, at times it appears that the opposite is taking place, but the day of judgment will come when the upright will indeed flourish in a place without pain, without sickness, without death, whereas the wicked will be destroyed in their house of the devil. Verse 12, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Now, what's that talking about? It's talking about a human being who is not yet converted, and he decides what is right to him or what is correct in his own eyes but its end is the way to death. In, in other words, one who does not have faith in Jesus Christ, who does not fill, follow the motivation of the Holy Spirit, will end up coming to death. In fact, remember the Pharisees? Jesus considered them already dead. He even told them that their father was not God, but the devil himself. And so what happens when Jesus comes into a person's life, he moves from death to life. Only Christians have life. Those who are unbelievers are doing things that seem right to them, but are not right to God. And, and that's really the case in these United States how many people are living lives of sinful behavior and they think it's okay with God because maybe that's the way they were born. So they begin living with other people in a marriage relationship when they are not yet married. That is a disaster and will always end in death. So the task of the church is to explain 
the way of the Holy Spirit and help people to understand why premarital sex is wrong in God's eyes and leads to eternal death if there is no repentance. Verse 13, even in laughter, the heart may ache and the end of joy may be grief. Now, you run into this every now and then when somebody who is a sinner is told they are a sinner and they kind of make a joke about it. But the end of their joy will be grief. Who are you to tell me what I should be doing? Who are you to make a judgment on me? One of the statistics we found with young people who have left the church is they think the church is too judgmental. Well, the church is not judgmental. God makes a judgment against sinful behavior. And the church simply tells people about it. And, and they don't like hearing this. And a self-defense mechanism builds up because they say, no, that seems correct to me in my eyes. I don't have to listen to you. And of course, the end of their joy is grief. Verse 14, the backslider in heart will be filled with the fruit of his ways. And a good man will be filled with the fruit of his ways. Now, what does it mean, the fruit of his ways? This is a common description in Proverbs, namely the two ways. The one way that Jesus talks about is the broad way that many people are on, where they think that by their works, they are saving themselves and they are getting right in God's eyes. The narrow way is by trusting in the promises of Jesus Christ. Now, the backslider who slips away from the church, he will be filled or satiated with the fruit of his ways, in contrast to a good man who will be filled with the fruit of his ways. And the fruit of an unbeliever is one that leads to grief and finally eternal death. But the fruit of a good man is filled with the fruit of his ways. Now, to be a good man doesn't mean that you never sin. It means that you love the will of God motivated by the Holy Spirit. And therefore, when you do sin, which we all do, we repent of that ill will. And therefore, we are on the narrow way with Jesus Christ as our Savior. Verse 15, it discusses the distinction between the simple and the prudent. In the book of Proverbs and the Bible, the simple refers to the gullible person. It says, the simple believes everything. 
but the prudent gives thoughts to his steps. What does that mean? Well, the simple or gullible, and that's the unbeliever, he really believes everything, which can be translated as he trusts anything. If it sounds good to him, if it's to his advantage, how many times do you hear from someone when you tell them this is the will of God and they'll say, well, what's in it for me? Unbelievers only do things if there's something in it for them. And that's why they are gullible and simple, trusting anything. But the prudent, which means the wise one, gives thoughts to his steps. In other words, he considers his way. And therefore, he is careful in what he does. For example, how many times have you been angry with someone and so you decide to write a letter to them? And you may even send it in the mail. But a day or two later, you're upset with yourself because maybe you said things you didn't really mean or want to say. So it's a good idea. Write the letter, but don't send it for a day or two and relook at it to see if that's really what you want to say. That's the prudent giving thought to his steps. Jesus talks about that where a, well, leader of a nation with a small army thinks he's going to conquer another leader who has a much larger army. You give thought, and instead of going to war with that other country, you attempt maybe to discuss with them and find a way that the war can be averted. That's the difference between the gullible or the simple and the prudent and the believer. 16. One who is wise is cautious and turns away from evil, but a fool is reckless and careless. Now, in the book of Proverbs, those who are considered as wise by Solomon are always believers, and therefore they are cautious and they turn away from evil. For example, young people may be tempted to start smoking, but if they smoke when it is against the law, that can lead to then smoking drugs and even selling them because you can make a lot of money selling drugs. And so they consider it as something correct for a man to do because it is to their advantage. But one who is cautious, he turns away from that evil. He is not reckless. He is not careless. He does not meddle with overconfidence in what somebody else tells him to do. He is cautious and takes a look at the whole situation. 
verse 17. A man of quick temper acts foolishly, and a man of evil devices is hated. Now, this shows us that the believer does not have a quick temper, and when he does, he's going to be acting foolishly. Another translation is he acts stupidly. And a man of evil devices or schemes is hated. When you think back, maybe you were in grade school or in high school or in college, and you have a group of people, I'm sure you can think which one of those were schemers, and they were not well-liked by others in the class. That's what happens with a man of evil devices. He becomes hated, hated not only by God, but also by those who are the result of his schemes. Verse 18, the simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. Now, that's really important because the simple or the gullible, and we're going back to verse 15, they inherit folly. Why? Because they have parents who also are simple and gullible, and they don't bring their children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. A lot of times they won't discipline or punish their children because they're afraid of losing the relationship with their children. But the prudent, those who are brought up in a Christian family, are crowned with knowledge. And that crown, Jesus talks about, on the day of judgment, you will go to heaven and you will receive his crown, and it will be a crown of knowledge, which you also are able to receive here on earth from your baptism or your conversion on. Verse 19, the evil bow down before the good, the wicked at the gates of the righteous. So, what we're going to find is an unbeliever will still bow down before Jesus Christ. All will worship him, but it will be too late for unbelievers, for they will not have had that faith while they were here on earth. And it's not being a good person that saves anybody. It's trusting in the promises. So the evil will evil even bow down before the good because the good will be rejoicing as the righteous at the gates of the righteous. And though the wicked will be at the gates, they will be closed to the unbeliever. Verse 20, the poor is disliked even by his neighbor but the rich has many friends. Now, in the day of Jesus, 
the poor were put in a category where they were obviously not being blessed by God. We hear that even today. There are some so-called Christian pastors who say, you want to get more blessings? Then do more good works. Then God will bless you. Well, that's like saying to a child, you want to be blessed by your parents? Then you better obey them. No, proper Christian parents will be a blessing to their child, even when their child is disobedient, because they will train them in the righteousness of Christ. Therefore, the poor may be disliked even by the neighbor. They will be actually shunned by the neighbor. We see this happening in certain communities where a certain kind of person who might not be as rich as the rest of the folks in the neighborhood moves in and people get worried because they're not rich like they are and therefore is there going to be problem? A rich person may have many friends, but that doesn't mean that people are friends to the rich because the rich deserve it, but because the rich may also give them money, possessions, and other things. 21 is kind of a follow-up. Whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner, but blessed is he who is generous to the poor. Now, that's something that Christian churches do a lot, namely become blessings to the poor. They offer them clothes at a reduced price, prepare meals for them, visit them in the hospital, and help them. That's the biggest task of a pastor, to help a worried and concerned individual with the good news of the message of Jesus Christ. A person may be really concerned that they're not going to heaven because they're such a sinner. And the pastor in the church can remind them that only sinners go to heaven who are forgiven. 23, do they not go astray who devise evil? Those who devise good meet steadfast love and faithfulness. This is really important. Again, if you are an unbeliever, you're always devising evil because you are unaware of the good of the Holy Spirit since you do not believe in the Holy Spirit. Whereas those who devise the good from the Holy Spirit meet the steadfast love and faithfulness even of God. There's that Bible verse, if we are faithless, that is that we are sinners, God remains faithful. That is, he promises to forgive our sins. 23, in all toil, there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. Well, that's also talking 
about the hard work of a believer who follows the wonderful message of the Holy Spirit in the area of sanctification, and therefore his hard work leads to profit. In contrast to someone who just talks about what he would like to do, but doesn't do hard work in making sure that it happens. And that leads only to poverty. 24, the crown of the wise is their wealth, but the folly of fools brings folly. The crown of the wise is their wealth. That's not just referring to money. How can you be more wealthy than even if in heaven you're living only in a tent? Because every one of your desires, every one of them, they are fulfilled. Because in heaven, there's no sickness or death or pain or suffering or sin. And therefore, that's the crown of the wise, is their wealth. But the stupidity of fools brings stupidity because they're not on the level of the Christian who follows the will of the Holy Spirit. The last verse, 25. A truthful witness saves lives, but one who breathes out lies is deceitful. Think of a court situation. You may not like a certain person, and they're arrested. If you are truthful, you may give them a good alibi because they have one, and you therefore save their life. But if you are a liar, you may say things about them that gives the jury the impression that they are guilty, even though they are not guilty. A Christian is a truthful witness, not only about other people, but about Jesus Christ, in contrast to a liar who is deceitful. Once again, in going through Proverbs, we see it's a distinction between believers and unbelievers, which we will continue next week. Join with us tomorrow as with Wes Reimnitz, I'm Tom Baker, we take a look at another passage. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.